Well, if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, the book of Ecclesiastes, and chapter 5. Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, and if we read again at verse 4, where Solomon reminds us, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. And so on. Now it's safe to say that the world our children and grandchildren are growing up in is a very different world to the one many of us in here today grew up in. And when I say that, I don't want to discredit everything that we have today. Certainly not, because we have many good things and we have many supports that maybe weren't there 30 or 40 years ago. We have more facilities for children. We have better health care. We have more help for parents who are struggling financially. We have all these helps. There are many positives in the world we live in today, maybe in comparison to the way some of us grew up. But of course, there are also many negatives. Because in the past 30 years, the society we live in has completely changed. And the society our children are growing up in is completely different to the society many of us grew up in. And we can see that maybe by considering some of the laws our government is trying to pass. The named person scheme. The no smacking ban. The way we teach our children. The way schools are being Forced to teach our children. And our schools, they're to teach gender fluidity. Meaning that they can decide to be a boy one day and a girl the next. Our schools are to promote homosexuality and transsexuality. In fact, our first minister recently said that uh, she will make every effort to make LGBT compulsory in every school. And what's closer to home is that they're trying to, we all know this, they're trying to remove the Lord's Prayer and They're trying to take away saying grace at mealtimes. And there's all this confusion. And it's leading to chaos. And it seems to me our government wants to parent the parents. But the society that's being created for us, for me personally, the society that our children are growing up in, it's frightening. Because we're becoming a godless nation. And we're moving further and further away from the truth of the Bible. Now whatever we view, whatever view we have of the Bible in here today, there's no denying the Bible teaches morality. The Bible teaches truth. And you know, who knows where and when or how this will all end. But politics is not our focus this morning. Our children are. And our children are our focus because in this passage Solomon is reminding us about the importance of the vows that we make before God. And I want to apply this passage particularly to our own situation as, as you know, two families are coming this morning for baptism. And I want to apply it to us because the vows we make at baptism, they are solemn vows. These vows are said not only in the presence of of witnesses, but they're said in the presence of God. And Solomon is reminding us about the importance of these vows. 
Because in his sermon called Ecclesiastes, Solomon the preacher, he's calling us to live our lives in light of eternity. We are to live our lives with an eternal perspective. We're not to be drawn in by the vanity of the world and swallow the lie that this world can satisfy all the pleasures of our heart. But what Solomon is saying to us, live your life with an eternal perspective. And what we can see in these verses is that in order to press upon us the need to live our lives with this eternal perspective, Solomon says that we need to have a greater view of God. We need to understand who God is in order for us to understand that the vows we take before him are solemn vows. And this morning, I just want us to consider those verses we were reading, uh, verses 1 to 7. I want us to consider these verses just under two headings. Standing before God and speaking before God. Standing before God and speaking before God. So first, first of all, standing before God. Look again at verse 1. Where Solomon says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they are doing, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. And in these verses, these opening verses, Solomon reminds us that in order to live our lives with an eternal perspective, we need to understand who God is. Because Solomon believes that if we fail to understand who God is, then we will not treat him with the reverence and the respect that he deserves. And that's why Solomon opens this chapter with this warning. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And for Solomon, the house of God was the temple. The house of God was where the Lord met with his people and dwelt amongst his people and revealed himself to his people when they came together to worship. And in a similar way, just like it is here today, the church is the house of God. This is where the Lord promises to presence himself among us. This is where the Lord promises to meet with us and speak to us and reveal himself to us in his word, the Bible. But notice what Solomon says. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Solomon doesn't say, guard your steps if you go to the house of God. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And Solomon is saying this to us because he's saying, if you want to live your life with an eternal perspective, if you want to make sure that you are prepared for eternity when you leave this world, then you need to make sure that you regularly come to church to meet with the God of eternity. You need to make sure that you're in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If we want to be prepared for eternity, he's saying, you need to make sure that you're following Jesus Christ and trusting in him as your only saviour. My friend, you need to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And this word, guard, it's the same word that we were actually just singing about in Psalm 121. Because in Psalm 121, the psalmist was reminding us that the Lord is our keeper. 
And that's what the word guard means. It means to keep or to guard or to watch. And the psalmist in Psalm 121, he was reminding us that the Lord is our keeper. And that that, that word, keep, guard or watch, it gives to us the image of this, this watchman. Who's standing in his watchtower. He's on the corner of his city and he's, he's in his watchtower and he's watching for the enemy coming. And his role as the watchman is to, to protect the city from attack. To alert people if there is an enemy coming. And he's to protect the people from the enemy. And that's what the psalmist was saying to us. The Lord is our watchman. The Lord is our keeper. He's the one who who keeps us from evil. He's the one who who guards our life when we entrust ourselves to him. He's the one who watches over us. And as the psalmist says, the Lord promises to keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And it's because the Lord keeps us and guards us and watches over us that Solomon says here, we should keep Guard and watch our steps when we go into the house of God. Meaning that, yes, the Lord is our watchman. But we also have to watch over our life too. We're not to be careless. We're to be careful. We're to be careful how we walk. Careful where we walk. Careful how we live. Careful how we stand before God. And what Solomon is saying is that, When you live your life with an eternal perspective, you will watch over your life. You'll watch how you live. You'll watch how you speak. You'll watch how you conduct yourself. And you'll watch how you influence others. When you live your life with an eternal perspective, he's saying you'll watch over your life, you'll guard your steps, you'll keep your foot. Because you'll know that you have to go to the house of God to stand before God, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. And what Solomon says in the the second half of that verse is that we need to listen to what God is saying to us. We need to take on board what God is saying to us in the Bible. And that this book, the Bible, this book is a book of truth and it tells us how to prepare for eternity. It tells us that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but have eternal life. And you know, for many of you, you hear that. Many of you hear it week in, week out. You may even understand what that means. And The consequences it will have in your life. But it seems to me that you do nothing about it. You hear what's being said. But you're not listening. Because to listen is to respond in obedience. To listen is to live your life with this eternal perspective. And respond in commitment to the Lord. And that's why Solomon says to draw near to listen. Is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they're doing evil. Because we can all come before God and offer the sacrifice of fools. We can all come before God and look the part and do what we're asked and say what we're going to say. But you know, Solomon is reminding us here, we can't fool God. We might be able to fool others. We might be able to pull the wool over their eyes. 
We might be able to shrug off what other people are saying to us and just ignore them. But Solomon says, he goes on to say in verse 2, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, you need to listen to what God is saying to you. Don't do what you think and live according to your opinions or what others say. You need to listen to what God is saying to you. You need to guard your steps when you come into the house of God because God is in heaven. And you are on earth. And we were reminded of that fact in our opening psalm. Psalm 139. That the God of heaven. He's, he's all powerful. All knowing and all seeing. He has searched us and he knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows when we get up in the morning. He knows when we go to sleep at night. He knows where we go. He knows our thoughts. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what we say. O Lord thou hast me searched and known. Thou knowest my sitting down and rising up. Yea, all my thoughts afar to thee are known. And even though, as I said, it was a great comfort for David to know that the God of heaven was watching over his entire life. It was also a solemn reminder that he was continually living in the presence of God. And that's what Solomon is saying to us here. God is in heaven. You are on earth. And Solomon reminds us of this because he believes that if we fail to understand who God is, then we will not treat him with the reverence and the respect that he deserves. And so we must live our lives with this eternal perspective, living with eternity in our heart. Because when we live our lives with this eternal perspective, we will watch over our life. We will guard our life. We will live our lives in the presence of God. We will remember Who we are dealing with. Because you and I. We will not only have to stand before God. In his house. We'll also have to stand before him. On the day of judgment. And you know this is the solemn thing about this. Solomon is calling us to live our lives with this eternal perspective. Because when we enter eternity. We have to stand before God and give an account of our lives. And you know, this is why our nation is in chaos and confusion today. Because people don't fear God. They don't live life acknowledging God. They don't live life with an eternal perspective. And they would rather swallow the lie that God doesn't exist and think that they're not accountable to anyone, just themselves. But the truth of the Bible... Not only that God exists, the Bible never, ever says or even argues for the existence of God. It just says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't argue for it. And then the Bible reminds us that God has put eternity into our heart. And he's called us to live our lives with this eternal perspective. He's calling us to make us realize that time is short, life is short. Our days are numbered. We have to prepare for eternity. And when we live our lives with an eternal perspective, Solomon is saying, we'll watch over our life. We'll guard our steps. We'll keep our foot. Because we know that when God is in heaven, we are on earth. And one day soon we must stand before him and give an account. And you know, that's how Solomon actually finishes his sermon. He brings it to its conclusion and he says, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment. 
with every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. And so if we live our lives with an eternal perspective, if we live our lives with eternity upon our minds, we will watch over our lives. We'll guard our steps. We'll guard our hearts. We'll keep our feet. And if we sin, which we all do, I do, I'm not saying this to you today to get at you. I am saying this as someone who has preached this to himself first. And if we sin, the Bible says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sin, the Bible says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so my friend, in light of eternity, Solomon is calling us to live our lives for God's glory. Because that's the way we were created to live. That's our chief end. That's the point to life. That's why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves and for our own glory. We exist for the glory, honor, and praise of God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But you know, Solomon, he doesn't leave it there. Because having reminded us about the solemnity of standing before a holy God, Solomon goes on to emphasize to us the solemnity of speaking before a holy God. Speaking before a holy God. And if we look at verse 4. He says, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. And Solomon, he's already highlighted in verse 2 the importance of, of watching what we say to God. He says, be not rash with your mouth. But then, having expressed the importance of, of watching what we say to God, Solomon goes on to speak specifically about the vows that we make before God. But when Solomon says, Pay what you vow. He's not talking about money. He's talking about fulfilling your vow. He's talking about and he's stressing the need for honesty and integrity. Which fulfilling the vow, in, in fulfilling the vow that you have made in the presence of God. And in ancient Israel, that's who this book was preached to, the Israelites. And just like it is today. A vow was a promise before God. And there were three types of vow that an Israelite would make. And I believe that these vows, they still exist today. Because the first vow that an Israelite would make is their allegiance to the Lord. In which a sinner vowed to follow the Lord and live their life in commitment to him. And we would describe that vow of allegiance to the Lord. We would describe it as a profession of faith. Because that's what a profession of faith is. You're, you're vowing to the Lord that you desire to follow him publicly and live your life as a, as a committed Christian. And when someone sits at the Lord's table, not only for the first time, but every time, they're vowing their commitment to the Lord. 
They're fulfilling the words of Psalm 116. I'll of salvation take the cup. On God's name will I call. I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. And in fact, in recent years, we as a Kirk session, we have put vows to everyone who has professed their faith in Christ. Because vows, they not only encourage integrity, they also emphasize accountability and discipleship, both on the part of the individual and also the Kirk session. And the vows to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, they're very, very straightforward. I'll just read them to you. Do you acknowledge the Bible to be the word of God and your only guide in all matters of faith and conduct? Do you confess God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as revealed in Scripture, to be your God? Do you profess faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior of sinners and as your Savior and Lord? Do you promise that depending upon God's promised help, you will faithfully obey and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to love his people within the fellowship of the church? Do you promise to submit in the Lord to the government of his church, to participate faithfully in its worship, ministry and support, and to heed its discipline? And you know, there are some of you here who would and could say yes to all of these vows. And yet you refuse to come out on the side of Christ and publicly profess your faith in him. My question to you is, why? What's holding you back? In light of eternity, this is what Solomon's talking about. In light of eternity, what's keeping you from saying that you want to be a Christian and follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What's keeping you back? But then there was also another vow. There's not only the vow of allegiance, the second type of vow that an Israelite would make was called a free will vow. And this free will vow was a vow that you'd make to another party in the presence of God. And this would include marriage vows or a contract with workers. And of course, I need not tell you the importance of marriage vows and the need to keep them. Because these vows, they're said in the presence of God and before witnesses. And I will put my hands up and I'll say I'm not the best husband in the world most husbands would probably say the same. I don't get it right. But you know, every time I put vows to a couple who are getting married, or every time I witness a marriage, I'm reminded that although it's a joyous occasion, just like today, it's a joyous occasion. But when two people come together as husband and wife, it's also a very solemn occasion. Because they're standing before God, and they're speaking before God. And they're speaking with vows and they're saying to one another that they will be a, a loving, faithful, dutiful husband or wife for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health until God shall separate them by death. Now I know that families are complicated and all these things and I'm not going to go into that. But I'm just emphasizing Solomon's point here of the importance of vows. But the free will vow, it not only included the contract of marriage, it also included the contract of work. And you know, we see that all the time in workplaces. We all sign contracts too, in our jobs and all these things. But you know, when I think of the vows, of vows before God, I think of the vows that I made in order to become a minister. 
Because in order to become a minister and also your minister here in Barvis, I had to make ten vows before God. And there, are, there were many, but there are two in particular that challenge me every time I read them. The first is, do you engage in the strength and grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master, to rule well your own family, to live a holy and circumspect life, and faithfully, diligently, and cheerfully to discharge all the parts of the ministerial, ministerial work to the edification of the body of Christ? And the second question that challenges me is, do you accept off and close with a call to be pastor of this congregation and promise through grace to perform all the duties of a faithful minister of the gospel? And those vows challenge me. They challenge me every time I read them and they remind me about the solemn responsibility I have as a minister. That I am not to give you a lie and say that everything is okay. I am to present to you the truth that you need to be saved. You need to be in Christ. That you need to follow Jesus. And I have to live according to my vows. And I have to be faithful, not only to God, but also to you, to present to you the truth. And I present it to you out of love. Love for you and a desire to see you saved. But for an Israelite, their vows, they not only included a vow of allegiance and this free will vow to the Lord, but the third type of vow an Israelite would make is a vow in which a child would be dedicated to the Lord. And this vow was a vow that parents would make. And the clearest example of this is in First Samuel, where Hannah, she prays to the Lord for a child, and she vows that she will dedicate Samuel to the Lord. And in one sense, that's what baptism is. Because as we said to the children, baptism, it has no power to save a child. It has no power to wash away any sins. Baptism is a sign and a seal. It's a sign and a seal that a child is being brought into the visible church. And they're going to be prayed for and taught from the Bible. And encouraged to know Jesus as their saviour. And the reason we put vows to parents who come for baptism. Is because the parents are promising to bring up their children to know Jesus as their saviour, to walk with Jesus and to live in humble submission before him. And you know, that's why we stand. That's why we'll stand in a short while as the fathers take their vows. We're standing before God in reverence and in holy fear as we witness, looking on what's happening. And as we're looking on, we're also participating in the vows because we too are promising as a congregation to help and provide support in any way that we can. And you know, friends, the solemn thing about baptism, and this is what Solomon is reminding us here, the solemn thing about baptism is that as parents, me included, me included, as parents, we're promising to do everything we can to prepare our children for eternity. That's what baptism is about. We're promising to do everything we can to prepare our children for eternity. We're promising to teach our children to live with an eternal perspective. 
And I know that as parents, we want the best for our children. We want to give them everything we can. And we want them to have the best start in life. But what Solomon is reminding me today is that the best thing I can do for my children is make sure that they are prepared for eternity. And I I know that it's only the Holy Spirit that can change their heart. I know it's only the Holy Spirit that can work in their experience. But as a parent, I have to try and do everything in my power to bring up my children in the midst of a godless nation to know Jesus as the only saviour of sinners. And as I said before, I'm not the best parent. I don't speak to you as someone who is perfect and who has it all together. Because I know it's hard. And there are so many demands on our lives. And there are so many voices competing for our attention. But when I listen to what Solomon is saying about living our life with an eternal perspective. It makes me see that everything else I could teach my children. It pales into insignificance. In comparison to teach them, teaching them about how to be prepared for eternity. And I have to say to you, as a parent, our children cannot prepare for eternity by just sending them to Sunday school for an hour a week. We have to do more. As they get older, we have to train our children to to sit in church, to sit under the Word of God. We have to do more at home by, by reading the Bible and speaking about the Bible. And I know it's hard to find time And I know we get tired. And I know at the end of the day we don't want to do it. But I'm encouraging you to do it. To to read the Bible with your children. To pray with and for your children. We have to live our lives as an example to our children. This is what our baptism is all about. And please be assured again. I'm preaching to myself when I say this to you. Preach to you as a father. Not only as a minister. Because I know it's not easy. But as parents, this is what we have vowed to do before God. And this is what we are accountable for. Now, when I say all this, I don't want to come across as heavy or judgmental in any way. Because we all fail. I fail. I get it wrong. I'm not perfect. But what I believe Solomon is reminding us today about the importance of vows... And that in baptism we are vowing our utmost to prepare our children for eternity. We're vowing to do what we can. By God's grace and God's help and the support and the encouragement of the congregation that we're part of. We're vowing to do all we can for the good of our children and the glory and the honour of God's name. May that be so as we witness another baptism in the congregation this morning. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we realise that the Lord one who is and who has always been, a God who sees everything, who knows everything, and we realise that the vows that we make before thee are so solemn, But help us by thy grace to honour these vows. Help us to live in accordance with thy word. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, not only to the vows that we make, 
but to the God whom we make them to. And Lord, that thou wouldest bless us, help us as parents to, or to renew our vows to thee. We realise that we faint and fail, but we give thanks that the God who watches over us, he never fails us. Help us then to be faithful to thee. Help us or to keep going. We know it is so difficult, but we give thanks that by thy grace and by thy help, and by the encouragement and bearing one another's burdens, that we will so fulfil the vows that we have made before thee. Oh, bless us together then, we ask. Continue with us as we, as we witness the sacrament of baptism, that everything that is said and done, that it would be to thy glory and to the furtherance of thy kingdom. Go before us then, we ask, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to sing again, this time in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 in the Scottish Psalter. That's page 228, if you're using the blue psalm book. Psalm 22. And Psalm 22, it's very familiar because the opening words of the psalm, they were quoted by Jesus when he was on the cross. And you could say that Psalm 22 is all about the cross. It's a psalm of the crucifixion. But I find it remarkable that near the end of the psalm, after, it, after Psalm 22 has described so vividly the crucifixion of Jesus, it speaks about the next generation. It speaks about children in the next generation. And it highlights to us that the crucifixion of Jesus, it was for our generation and for the next generation, and for the next generation. It's for every generation that they would praise the Lord and follow Jesus. So we're singing Psalm 22 from verse 25 down to the verse marked 28. Within the congregation great, my praise shall be of thee. My vows before them that am fear shall be performed by me. The meek shall eat and shall be filled. They also praise shall give unto the Lord that do him seek your heart shall ever live. Down to the verse Mark 28 of Psalm 22 to God's praise. 